Bills Mafia, was good? This Stevie Johnson, Mr. Why So Serious, and you now tuned in to The Lowdown with Jake Jordan. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is The Lowdown, and I feel like I've started off so many shows like this, where I sit down and I'm like, it has been forever. How are you guys doing? And the last time I was on here, I was probably a pretty sad person. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Of course, the Bills lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, and kind of, I, I was just not ready for football. Uh, kind of one of the only things that drew me into watching the Super Bowl was, of course, I wanted to watch the halftime show, as I'm sure a lot of people around my age want to. So, you know, I, I watched the Super Bowl, as did all of you guys, because not only am I a Buffalo Bills fan, and I know there were some people that were like, yeah, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl because the Bills aren't in it. My heart's still not there. And look, I feel that. Like, I, I completely understand why there are people that, you know, are like that and but for me i'm just a football fan man it's not just you know about the bills and i love the bills but i'm a, I'm a big sports guy so i've of course been watching the olympics and all the stuff that's been going on with that uh again trying to get into hockey of course you know if you want actual people that are super into hockey uh, Built in Buffalo is going to be having our hockey branch of creators. So, of course, if you're into hockey, you can get all that talk too. But what went down in the Super Bowl and kind of the thoughts coming out of it? Because, of course, as a Bills fan, I want to sit here and I want to tell you that the Buffalo Bills would have beat either of these teams in the Super Bowl. I think that the Chiefs, on their good day, would have beat either of these teams in the Super Bowl it was a rough game of course towards the end it starts to pick up and we get you know a game that I think is a worthy Super Bowl uh I think that there's a lot of things that you can take coming out of the Super Bowl and I think the Buffalo Bills kind of being a team that it feels like they squandered an opportunity to be in the Super Bowl this year like that window was right there and I do not think that the Bengals beat the Bills having to come into Buffalo for the AFC Championship game. But alas, that did not happen. So the Bengals, of course, ended up playing the Rams in the Super Bowl. And what happened? They did not win. And one of the big things that I talked about, especially uh, with people that talk to me personally and when they sit down and have conversations with me and it was like, what do you think of the Super Bowl? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think are the keys in this game? Because, yes, I do have conversations like that with people because people do know that I am in this game and I do look at things from a different perspective as others. And one of the big things is we had a show, me injustice he has his new show justice for all go check that out he's got great guests on every single week and for his first show he brought on me jay spence the king and joe miller and one great show obviously i love the opportunity to not only grow 
uh, myself as a content creator, but to, you know, collaborate with people that have been in the game much longer than me and probably have more knowledge than me and to have great conversation. But one of the things is it was asked what that I think was going to happen. I was like, look, all signs point towards the Rams should win this game. And I said, the Rams have something to play for. But the thing that was dangerous about this game was the Bengals had nothing to play for. They were playing on house money. Most people didn't expect them to get past the divisional round, but they did. They were a team that on any given Sunday has a chance because they had a guy under center who could get it done. And of course, the Joe Cool narrative. Uh, my big thing is, you know, on this show, I like to talk about narratives. So I'm going to talk about some narratives that were killed coming out of this game and some that were reaffirmed. One of those being that the Rams defensive line absolutely manhandled the offensive line of the Bengals. I said that the Bengals offensive line felt like that they were overachieving so much, but they were doing it at the right time of the year, but they were overachieving so much that it felt like it's got to give eventually. We know that they were one of the worst offensive lines in the league this year. There was no way it was going to hold up, especially after them letting Joe Burrow get sacked. What was it? Seven or seven times, nine times in the divisional round. You know, we saw that, you know, the Bengals offensive line, it's not good. It's really not good. So I kind of assumed that out of all the defensive lines that they played, of course, the Titans being able to get that kind of pressure and sack Joe Burrow like that, I could not even imagine what the Rams were going to do. And of course, the game comes down to it, and you get Aaron Donald one-on-one with our good friend Quentin Spain, who, leading up to the Super Bowl, talked about how the Bills hindered his career, and that's how he felt, and all that. I'm sorry, big guy. You know, I, I understand that you use that to push yourself and stuff like that, but what that showed us is that, you know, sometimes in big situations, you're not that big dude who's going to lock it down you got blown up and I understand that you're across from one of the best defensive players in history maybe the best defensive player in history and you know now that's a little bit more solidified but and he blows you up to get that final play and seal the Super Bowl I'm sorry that offensive line all night was just trying to hold it together just enough for Joe Burrow to be able to get it done and I'm telling you right now For Joe Burrow's career, that is not going to hold up. I have in my show notes here because, yes, I'm getting a little bit more professional. I have show notes now. Uh, They're not written down on a little notebook. I have them on a screen. I said Joe Burrow, next Andrew Luck. Joe Burrow, next Andrew Luck. And what do I mean by saying that is that there was talent around Andrew Luck, but the organization as a whole failed him and caused him to retire early due to injuries and him just not wanting to deal with it anymore. Joe Burrow could be that next guy. If the Bungles organization, which a lot of people don't like to call them that anymore because they've drafted good. Look, it's really hard to draft bad when you're drafting at the top 
every single year. I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to draft bad in that situation. So I understand people wanting to say, oh, their front office has changed. You know, they're not the bungles anymore. Dude, look, if I'm picking at anywhere from one to five, like four straight years, I'm probably going to hit on some dudes. Like that's, that's pretty obvious, right? So the one thing that they haven't done is last year, I understand you go and get Jamar Chase, and that really helped their offense this year. But are you telling me that they couldn't have taken a Rashawn Slater or an Elijah Vera Tucker or somebody like that to be able to truly solidify their line and help Joe Burrow? I You can't tell me that that also wouldn't have helped that team. Maybe they're not as explosive this year, but they're on the way to be able to protect their quarterback. Now, of course, they have money, and they can go out and they can pay all these guys. Uh, if they want to, they can pay dudes and bring them in to try to protect Joe Burrow. And look, the Bills kind of did the same thing, too, where they went out and they got free agents. They weren't the best free agents, but they were still good enough to be better than what Josh Allen had his rookie year. And we've seen what's happened since then. I can look at the Buffalo Bills offensive line now, and if you asked me in the middle of the season, I would have been like, no, they're still garbage. But now it seems like they're going to be able to build and have something that towards the end of the year started to really come together. And then you bring in a guy like Aaron Cromer to come in and develop some of these dudes that maybe didn't have you know, that good of a chance under OG Bobby Johnson. Like a lot of people, I look at guys and I'm like, Deion Dawkins has never had a year under Aaron Cromer. Spencer Brown is about to have a year under Aaron Cromer. Hell, even Cody Ford could be better under the tutelage of Aaron Cromer. And I'm I'm not saying that he's the greatest offensive line coach in the world, but from what we've heard of, you know, players that were on those Rex Ryan teams that he was the offensive line coach for. And those teams also were one of the better performing offensive lines in the league. And they had guys on there that if I told you their names now, you'd be like, my God, how did they perform that well? Well, maybe they were helped out by having Shady McCoy in the backfield. But look, it you can't deny it, though. Aaron Cromer did help teach up guys that were on those offensive lines that then eventually moved on. And, you know, it was kind of exposed that the system that they were running kind of masked a lot of their flaws. So I think that this offensive line now that we've seen was able to really come together and have some success. What can Aaron Cromer do with that? I really can't wait to see. But to go back, I don't know if the Bengals do that. They had success. They made it to the Super Bowl this year. They are notoriously cheap when it comes to spending on people. And I know They've spent on the defensive line the last few years, and it has had success. And that brings me into my next topic, is talking about what makes the Bills and the Bengals so different. What what do the Bengals have that the Bills don't? And before I completely tell you what that is, I do have to say that just to wrap up the whole Super Bowl talk, I'm happy that the Rams won the Super Bowl, not because we don't have to hear people say that Joe Burrow is better than Josh Allen because he won a Super Bowl, but because I'm happy for guys like Matt Stafford, Robert Woods, OBJ, which a lot of people are going to be like, wow, he's such a diva. If you think that OBJ is a diva and he's the problem on these teams, then you, you probably... 
are not going to agree with a lot of the things I say because I think that OBJ and from what we've heard from teammates is a great player and a great teammate. And then Aaron Donald solidifying himself as a Hall of Famer, even though he's probably going to get in anyway, he got the ring and now he's basically over the top with it and he's getting in regardless. But what makes the Bills and Bengals so different? It's the defensive line. And there are guys on our defensive line that I like, especially Ed Oliver. I really liked how Harrison Phillips turned it on towards the end of the year. And I think that we've got good prospects when it comes to Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham. And I think that in time, they will be able to develop. And I'm going to talk about that in the second half. There are coaching additions to this Buffalo Bills staff. And I'm going to talk about how I think that this team is going to take the next step forward in the second half. But, you know, there's an opportunity here for the Buffalo Bills to really change their defensive line because it hasn't been working. And I understand we're always going to have this system of Sean McDermott rotating players. But Sean McDermott has a history of when he has a dominant player, he does not rotate them as much as they do now because we don't have that guy. And I think that Ed Oliver is developing into that guy. I can't wait to see what Ed Oliver does this year. And I think that if you bring back Harrison Phillips on a cheaper deal, obviously you don't disrespect Harrison Phillips and try to get him to pay here on peanuts, but you still give Harrison Phillips what he's worth because there still is that injury risk, but he was turning it on towards the end of the year. Your big opportunity for change is going to be at that defensive tackle position, whether you want to have somebody behind Phillips or have Phillips rotating with somebody and the defensive ends. I mean, you really got to look at who's going to be our active defensive ends. I'm pretty sure it's Russo, Basham, and AJ Epinesa. You can't roll into next season with that. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, yeah, we just need to let Hughes and Addison just go wherever they want in free agency. I agree with the Mario Addison, you know, point of that. I think Mario Addison, a lot of his success comes from he's just that guy who's able to clean up when Jerry Hughes gets the pressures, because of course, if you look at all metrics, Jerry Hughes is still an effective pass rusher. Yes, he doesn't get the sacks, but he gets the pressure on the quarterback, which then forces him into if we had a other defensive end that was dominant, they would be able to clean up for Jerry Hughes and our sack numbers might be a little bit higher than that. So I I think that there's an opportunity here by the Bills defense to really look at what the Bengals did and bringing in Trey Hendrickson and having these guys that they signed through free agency. And, you know, they paid guys, you know, they drafted people, but they paid guys too that would come in and immediately upgrade what they had. They didn't sit there and let's draft and develop and let's just do that. That's a good strategy sometimes. But when that's failing, when these guys aren't developing into the obviously guys aren't going to develop into one year and immediately start and be guys that are getting 10 and a half sacks or 11 sacks, 12 sacks. Like that's, that's not always when you draft someone, you're not expecting that unless you're drafting in the very high rounds, which the Buffalo bills have not done the last few years, as we all know. So I think that there's a real opportunity and there are some free agents that are out there and the Buffalo bills are going to be able to take advantage of that. They can now play the card of, hey, come here and compete for championships. And they're going to be able to basically put that out there and say, hey, if you guys want to win 
you know, you can come here. We're still going to compensate you. You're going to get money. You're probably not going to get as much as you'd get if you went to the Jets or the Dolphins or the Texans or somewhere like that where they'll just pay you because they don't know what they're doing. But, you know, you can come here and you can compete for championships. There's guys out there that could potentially help you with that. And I'm not going to name drop all those guys now. I'm going to have shows throughout this season where I talk about position groups and who I think that the Buffalo Bills can add and stuff like that. You can also catch that on first round by on Friday nights with me, Justice, and Izzy, where we're going to be talking about that stuff as well and coming in with names of guys we think would be upgrades. And I think that the Buffalo Bills have a real opportunity to take advantage of this free agent class and the status that they are in when it comes to the NFL and the hierarchy of teams there are guys that are going to come out there now and you're going to be able to play that card of, hey, you want to come play with Josh Allen? Do you want to compete for a Super Bowl every year that you're here on this team? Then you come to Buffalo and we're going to pay you. You can come in and you can help us and you can possibly get that ring to help some of these guys cement their legacies in the league. So yeah, this has been the first half. Of course, I am Jake, your host of The Lowdown on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And in the second half, I'm going to be talking about recent coaching additions. What do I think about the future of the Buffalo Bills? How do they take the next step? And maybe why some of you guys on Twitter need to chill out with the players you think the Buffalo Bills are going to land in the draft. We'll talk about all that in the second half, and I'll catch you guys then. And the Chargers, my first start, and we got Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, um, and I don't know my protections. I'm like, let's let's ram it over here, and they're like, we can't do that. I'm like, just it's snap the best thing your offensive yeah. lineman say you can't do that. And I'm like, well, that's just, what just we do need it. to do. Just do it. So just yeah. do what I'm trying to explain. Year two happens, and again, just progression. And I yeah. play the Patriots. Um, I throw three interceptions in the first half. Allen rolls right, throws that ball to the side, intercepted. He can't make a dumber throw than he just made right there. And Brian Dable just goes absolutely berserk on me oh, on the really? sideline. Yeah. yeah. And he, he apologizes to this day. Like, I'm so sorry. I was like, dude, I don't care. Like, I, I wasn't playing great. Like, yeah. I, if anything, I needed it. Yeah. But I think that's that's when things change for me, me mentally. Yeah. Just slowing the game down, understanding let's not press. Let's, let's use our our time, our possessions to our advantage. Um, and I think that was kind of the turning point in my career, but I needed that reaming from Coach Dable. Yeah. And I needed to throw those three interceptions in the first half in order to take that next next step. I remember watching that, that specific game, and I'm like, that's going to be a hurdle that he's going to have to get over that specific game, that specific team, right? Because they ruled that division forever, you know? And then and then now fast forward a couple of years and you progress and it was it was fun to watch and then you beat them and, and you beat them pretty good. That's kind of the mindset now in that you guys you guys run that division. So now the next hurdle, what's the next hurdle? So I, I watched you play flawless in the playoffs. You, you find yourself like there, there has to be that next step. So in your mind, what what do you think that is? I mean, I think that's winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. Getting and- here, right? Yeah, finding a way. Well, not being in the radio row and being out and getting prepared for a game yep, on Sunday. Yep, and for sure. Again, we, we had our opportunities, and uh, we'll learn from, from this last game. And um, everybody wants to talk about the 13 seconds and the heads or tails coin flip and this and that. But isn't it weird that the the only bad decision that they can say that you made was, was calling tails? Yeah. But you've which, always probably called tails, though, right? Which is weird, right? So the production meeting. I'm sorry, Tracy, but I'm calling you out. She, she jinxed me. Oh, she, you she jinxed me. Tracy, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, Did she say? She goes, you're 9-0 on coin tosses this year. Oh, I'm she like, brought it up? 
You no, Tracy, what are you doing? Why would you do that? I went 0 for 2 that game. I, missed, I didn't get the first oh, one. So didn't, no one talks about and the then first one. The overtime one. So, Tracy. It's all Tracy's fault. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is the lowdown only on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. And, you know, I. I always record these shows in two halves, right? I do the first half and then I take a little bit of a break. I regroup myself, I get some water, I sit down in my nice comfy chair and then I go, all right, am I ready to do the next half of the show? And of course, I always do a lead in with it. I talk about what I'm gonna talk about in the second half when I end the first half. And of course, that means that we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills hires when it comes to you know what they've done to retool the coaching staff and how I think they're going to move forward and how I think that the Buffalo Bills should address this offseason briefly of course you know we got a long offseason ahead of us there is about 202 days from the time of recording this until you know basically football is back and you know that's not counting the USFL uh, I, I'm not going to cover the USFL on my podcast. Of course, we just talk about the Buffalo Bills because I'm on a Buffalo Bills network. But, you know, we will talk about the USFL when it comes to first round bye. And I'm really hoping that we all sit there and we pick our team. And, you know, I they just released the jerseys today and it was kind of lackluster. But also today going on, of course, I'm recording this on, I believe today is Thursday. Yes. Uh, today, Thursday, they at 3 p.m. They're doing the lottery for you know the draft picks, so that'll be fun to see too. And I really like the idea of the USFL because you know I've always thought that the NFL needed a minor league, and you know of course that's not what it is right now. Uh, it's kind of just another league uh, going on after the NFL season stops. But I really think that this could be. A opportunity for the NFL to in time adopt the basically minor league system kind of like how the NBA is done with the G League and how the MLB already has with their minor leagues so I really think that, oh in the NHL with their farm teams I'm sorry that I left out the NHL but just kind of a minor league system for guys to develop in and I think that it could be a really good resource for some of those guys. And I think it'd be really good for the NFL. And it's good for just NFL, you know, teams and fans. You know, we get more football. There's more football that we can watch to see guys try to make their names. And there's been some guys like Taylor Heineke that came out of the XFL and PJ Walker. Guys that played there and now are in the NFL and are doing things because they got that stage to be able to, you know, show what they could do and show that, you know, they still had a, you know, they still had it. They can still play at a high level. And I know people argue that, well, they're not playing against high level guys. It's different. I, I think that Taylor Heineke kind of broke that mold when he came into a playoff game after being in the XFL and then almost took it to Tom Brady. So I, I think that, you know, as time goes on, people will view a minor league as actually a really good thing. But this second half, we're talking about the Buffalo Bills and what have they added. And of course, there's breaking news today, and we'll talk about that. Uh, by the time you hear this, it's uh, probably going to be one day old news. But I already talked about it kind of in the first half where I talked about 
Aaron Cromer coming in as the offensive line coach and what I think that he can do to be able to help the team in general. Uh, but I think one of the big things is a lot of people have been hearing, and you know, I even hear it in my own house with my brother, and you know, sometimes from my uncles, I hear it. They're like, you know, apparently McDermott is a little bit of a hard ass. And that's because apparently there's a bunch of rumors going around that, you know, Dayball and McDermott didn't get along and McDermott wanted him to run the ball more. And uh, Dayball was like, I'm going to show you then. And then uh, maybe that because of that, that put pressure on Bobby Johnson and Bobby Johnson didn't want to return. And that's why he left and went to the New York Giants to be their offensive line coach. And, you know, there's some people that seem to think there's some sort of drama there between them. And I I don't understand where this really comes from. Uh, offensive line coaches have contracts. And when their contracts are up, they can choose whether to, you know, of course it's up to the discretion of the coaching staff that hired them, but they can choose to move on and find an opportunity somewhere else or, they can go and, you know, stay with the team that they're on and, you know, re-sign and do whatever. The same thing happened with Heath Far Farwell this year. He went to be a special teams coordinator with Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. That's just what he went to go do. It had nothing to do with, I don't like being here and I want to leave. I don't like working with you, Mr. Sean McDermott. And of course, we don't know that, but you know, one of the big things is people think there's like beef, but, you know, this has to do with, you know, Bobby Johnson was a day ball guy. So it kind of makes sense for him to, you know, leave if he wants to, to go help out his guy. You know, they got out at the same time his contract was up and Dayball became a head coach, and he was probably asked, hey, I would like for you to come with me. And, you know, it's nothing against, you know, the Bills and, you know, they employed him and he had a job and he made money and, you know, it's nothing against them. It's just, hey, I'm going to go help out my guy and I'm going to go do this. It's just another opportunity. And, you know, that that's what happened. I, I, I don't understand the the friction of what was going on. And maybe it was the Bill Belichick, uh, you know, text and stuff like that. But, you know, Aaron Cromer coming in, this was somebody that was not on my radar at all. I thought it was Phil Rauscher that was coming in, and I thought that that would have been a great hire. That obviously did not happen. And then Aaron Cromer was, you know, I looked at my phone. I was getting ready to go into my job at Starbucks. I was just starting, and I look at my phone, and it's like, no, Aaron Cromer is the uh, new head coach. Phil Rauscher is not. And it's like, oh, okay. And I think I just said head coach there. Uh, let me correct myself, the offensive line coach. But, you know, and then I thought, I'm like, okay, Aaron Cromer. Obviously, we got to talk about this. I talked about it on the show with Justice and Jay Spence and Joe Miller. And, you know, we kind of just talked about what he could do. And Aaron Cromer was a guy who was here in Buffalo with Rex Ryan for uh, a few years. I think it was 2015 and 2016. Those seasons, he was here. And the Buffalo Bills had a hell of a running game, and their offensive line was ranked pretty highly. And whether or not you want to say that was Aaron Cromer, you know, teaching guys up, you know, guys using these guys that maybe didn't have the best skill sets but getting the best out of them, or maybe it was just Shady McCoy making all those guys look good, you know, whatever, they still had the numbers. And, you know, that was proven when after Rex Ryan had left and Aaron Cromer also decided to leave, he went to the Rams in 2017 
And if you guys remember the Rams, you know, going into that season, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And of course, that also had Todd Gurley behind it. And as you know, the development of that offensive line then led to the coming on of Todd Gurley. And we know Todd Gurley was one of the premier backs in the league for at least those few years. And that was behind a Aaron Cromer coached offensive line. So I think Aaron Cromer coming in is a good thing for the Bills because, you know, a lot of us have had reservations on Bobby Johnson and thought that maybe Bobby Johnson was one of the problems that the Buffalo Bills had this season because he wasn't exactly seeing the talent that he had in maybe a Rick Bates or an Ike Bakker and waiting too long to be able to pull those triggers maybe choosing his own guys over that maybe to the detriment of the team and not being able to coach guys up like Cody Ford. And yes, you have guys like Spencer Brown that kind of come in and innately get it. But what was Bobby Johnson doing? Our offensive line didn't seem to really improve that much over, you know, this last span of three years. And a lot of us were kind of sitting here saying, hey, Bobby Johnson, his ass is red hot on that hot seat. And he leaves, and I think it was a blessing in disguise, and they hire a guy in Aaron Cromer who has a track record of success. So I think it's a good thing for the Buffalo Bills moving forward, and I think it's really going to have something to do with when I talk about how the Bills are going to thrive moving forward. I think Aaron Cromer has a big hand in that. And the big news that came out today was actually the Bills hiring Marcus West as an assistant D-line coach. And it was kind of weird when I was trying to get this information because a few sources had said that he was going to be the D-line coach. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird because that's Eric Washington. And I didn't hear that Eric Washington left or that the Buffalo Bills fired Eric Washington. Uh, but that's not the case. Eric Washington is still the defensive line coach. However, he has a new assistant in Marcus West who, you know, a lot of people might not know him, but he was a defensive coordinator for the Charlotte 49ers, a collegiate team. And one of the things coming out about him is that he's been really good when it comes to the development of younger guys. There's even people that have played for him that know that he is a great leader of men and being able to help develop these guys. And I think that that's kind of paramount because we haven't really seen a lot of production from our defensive line and maybe the same you know, issue that some of us had with Bobby Johnson, a lot of us are starting to have with Eric Washington, even though I think that Eric Washington is a good coach. And we've seen what he was able to do, especially in Carolina and then coming to the Bills. He like it's, it's taken a while, but Eric Washington is, you know, some of our guys are developing. Just look at Ed Oliver. Look at these guys. There are guys that are coming on, but Hiring Marcus West, I mean, just to go his first season as the defensive coordinator for the Charlotte 49ers, he had their team had 36 sacks and 86 tackles for loss. And that was in their first season. And that was school records. And he was able to develop some of those guys, one Highsmith who made it into the league. So I think Marcus West coming in and just being another guy to be there with Eric Washington is going to help our defensive line a lot, especially when it comes to what we're going to talk about when it comes to how the Bills will thrive moving forward, which takes us into the question, how do the Bills thrive moving forward? 
look, I talked about Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady and how I like that, but I think really the big thing is going to be Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey. You know, a lot of people seem to think, and I made, you know, this statement on the show with Jay Spence and Joe Miller, uh, where I said that I think it's going to be a more balanced, you know, scheme when it comes to the Bills. Now, I'm not talking 60-40. I'm not talking, you know, 50-50. That's that's not going to happen with the Bills. Balanced when it comes to the Buffalo Bills is actually going to be more of like a 80-20. Like that's balanced for the Buffalo Bills. But the thing is, is that I think with the signing of Aaron Cromer, the rushing game for the Buffalo Bills, that 20% that you're going to have of Devin Singletary being that back uh, if the Buffalo Bills decide that Devin Singletary is that you know guy, and I think at the end of the season he kind of proved that he can be that guy, Aaron Cromer with a Devin Singletary in the offensive line, I think that it's going to be more effective. The Buffalo Bills, when it's balanced, it just needs to be more effective, and I think that they kind of got that towards the end of the year, and it really helped open up the game, and Josh Allen played some of his best football when Devin Singletary was playing some of his best football and the offensive line was as well. So bringing in a guy like Aaron Cromer can really help maximize the potential of the offensive line and Devin Singletary, which in turn, the 80% of Josh Allen that we get, it's going to be able to you know give us a little bit more josh allen that we saw towards the end of the season and a little bit less of josh allen that we saw in the middle of the season when it felt like the buffalo bills were trying to establish the run game but it just wasn't working so a lot of people seem to think that the buffalo bills need to go out and to move forward that means that they need to go get those guys and i think that the buffalo bills are going to be smart and i think a lot of people seem to think that The Buffalo Bills have, like, there's a bone in Brandon Bean's body that's going to just show up and have him in the draft go, okay, I'm just going to trade away this capital because I need to go get that guy. That's not really the case. Yes, Brandon Bean has moved up in the draft before, but it's to, you know, I, I, I hold the philosophy that if you're going to trade up, you really need to have that player. Like, you, that's the position you need regardless doesn't matter so i i think that the buffalo bills they need a defensive lineman that's not a question whether it's a defensive end again that they want to go for uh depending on what happens with free agency or a defense a run stuffing big defensive tackle and the big one that i've heard is jordan davis out of georgia and i understand why people want jordan davis he's a big guy And he's really what the Bills have been lacking when it comes to a true one-tech, big run-stuffer guy that's just going to clog up the lane and take up two dudes. I understand that. But a lot of people seem to think that, oh, yeah, well, the Buffalo Bills are just going to throw away draft capital to trade up and get this guy. And if not, he's going to fall to us at 25? I doubt that. I think that a lot of people need to think that the Buffalo Bills can retool this offseason at the places where they need needs without sacrificing the future for winning now. Of course, after the Rams win the Super Bowl, all I hear is there's like two camps. There's the people that say, let's do what the Rams did. Let's who cares about drafting. Let's just, you know, go get guys. Let's go win now. That's such a short sighted mindset because a lot of people don't 
see that the Rams are going to be paying for this, or they're going to lose all these players and they're not going to have draft picks for the next three, four years in the first round. Like the Buffalo Bills aren't going to do that. Brandon Bean builds for the future and the present. And you can do that. You don't have to sacrifice the future just to win now. It's, I, I find myself just kind of getting flustered when I think about that because a lot of people don't view it in the, like they view it like, oh, let's go get Khalil Mack. Okay, well, did you think about the contract and what you would have to take on and how that would affect your salary cap? No, it's let's get Khalil Mack so we can win now because I think he's going to make us better. So I think that a lot of Bills Mafia needs to look at what is going to help us now, what can we do to help us now, but also without jeopardizing our future when it comes to draft capital and things like that. I understand if you can get a guy for Khalil Mack and you're only giving up this year's first round pick, you take that all day, of course, and you try to figure out a way to make the money work because that's Khalil Mack. But when you're the Rams who were a team that had a bunch of holes and it was like, okay, well, we're going to trade for, we're going to trade for Von Miller. And then we're going to trade for Matthew Stafford. And we're basically going to give away picks for the Detroit Lions to take Jared Goff, the Bills aren't in that position. They're not going to do that. So I really think that in the grand scheme of things, and we'll talk about it more this offseason, of course, who I think that the Bills can bring in, the start of free agency in the new league year, you know, it's coming up. We don't have that many weeks away until the new league year starts, and then we can start talking about all this stuff. Of course, I think there's plenty of problems that the Buffalo Bills need to solve. They have some free agents that they need to either lock up or make decisions on who they want to replace them with. Do they want to address that in the draft or free agency? We'll see. But there's a lot to talk about. But I think that the main thing that I want you to walk away from is that the Bills are set up for the future. It could be better than what we have already, like have already seen and witnessed this year. It can get better the coaching staff can always get better and the players that they can bring in they can bring in guys that are upgrades immediately that aren't detrimental to the future while also drafting the future so if there's one thing i want you to walk away from this podcast knowing is that the bills are set up they're in a really good place and there's a really good chance that next year they're able to go beyond what they've done already and that's without you know handicapping themselves for the future so of course this has been the lowdown only on the built in buffalo podcast network i have been jake and i will see all of you guys next week